This sermon is kind of a hybrid. Uh, it could be in some ways evangelistic, but uh, uh, it has that thrust. But it also is a word to the believing community. And the title of the sermon is, Your Sins Have Separated You from God. The text is found in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 9. To most people outside the Christian community, today's sermon would be considered irrelevant, unpersuasive, and even quaint. Why would this be so? Because this is a sermon about the consequences of sin and about the need for repentance. Did you notice that all three lessons had to do with repentance? Outside of those in our society who believe and take seriously the message of the Bible, even most of them will uh, no longer believe that sin and guilt and judgment are linked together. They may really believe the Bible, but they kind of reduce themselves, if you will, to the place in life where they believe that, um, well, this is just the way the world works, and we might as well be content with our environment. It's not going to change unless some cataclysm happens, so they get if you will, comfortable or at ease uh, with all that is around them. Now, they believe in sin and guilt and judgment, but they just simply think that's the way the world works. We have a, a lot of Christians in Washington, D.C., who kind of take this attitude. They don't expect much justice. They don't expect much in the way of truth-telling. They don't expect much in the way of honesty. And then there's a third group, and this, I believe, is represented here in this church, that believes in sin and guilt and judgment, and that refuses to accept the status quo, that holds uh, such things as lying and cheating and waste as being utterly sinful and wicked, and... Uh, are not comfortable in our societies, feeling almost always out of joint. Some of you have given up listening to the news or watching the nightcast because things seem to be uh, so, so corrupt that why, why even bother to trouble yourself? I kind of fall in that category myself. Uh, these are the ones who believe really in sin and guilt and judgment that they are actually linked and they believe that the prophets of old have something to say to us today. They're the ones who agree with Hosea that those who sow to the wind will reap the whirlwind. Nonetheless, Isaiah addresses a people in this text who no longer are willing to listen to the word of God. He speaks in his day to a society, though he knows them very well, that they need to return to the Lord. Uh, they are now deaf and blind to the things of God. In this case, however, they indeed continue to refuse to listen to God's word or to hear what God has to say from the prophets. 
And so we might call these, if you will, refuseniks. They refuse any longer to be touched by God's message or God's messenger. Now, let's turn then to our text and let's turn then to uh, the text that Isaiah uh, here in verse 50, chapter 59, starting at verse 1, and we see some language that is, in many respects, quite brutal. It is quite brutal because these are the words of judgment upon those who refuse to hear God any longer, who refuse to seek his forgiveness, who refuse to turn to him. Now, make no mistake, this is no indictment of God if they are not forgiven, if their guilt remains on their head, if they, if you will, stand in the place of judgment. This is, according to the prophet, quite clear that it is not God's problem. Notice what he says in verse 59. He says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. What the prophet is clearly saying is this, that the fault here is not that God is stingy with his forgiveness, not stingy with his mercy, not stingy with his grace. It is a truth that God is not reluctant to forgive and to extend his mercy to anyone. Uh, God will always extend his mercy and grace he promises in his son Jesus Christ to those who seek him, to those who are weak, to those who have fallen, to those who look to him. And so Isaiah clearly says here, the problem is not God's problem. No, not at all. Now we can look to the book of Lamentation for some instruction here, and I think it is important. In the book of Lamentation, it is a book written by Jeremiah. It is a prophet who comes after Isaiah. And he is living and working in a time and place, prophesying uh, for God to the people. When the people have as many sins, when the people are in desperate straits, and yet God extends his mercy and grace to them. And I just want to read a few verses from Lamentations to see why God hears them and not those in Isaiah's day. Let's start with Lamentation, and you don't have to turn to these verses, chapter 5, verse 20. And it says here in the text in Lamentation, why do you always forget us? Now notice the people are complaining. You know, God will hear your complaint. Notice how much the prophets complained. There is a kind of dialogue in the entire Old Testament of lots of complaints. God, God is willing to hear your complaints and your cries. As a matter of fact, those who know the Lord best kind of have an ongoing dialogue with the Lord. And they, they're not afraid to raise questions. They're not afraid to confess their doubts. They're not afraid to confess their confusion. I got a wonderful email from such a person recently who, who was dumbfounded by, by some things and not able to square them. And he, he, he offered them up to the Lord and also to me. And so in Lamentations 5, 20, it says, why do you always forget us? That's the people. Why do you forsake us for so long? And then you turn back uh, two chapters to chapter three, verse eight. Even though, says the people, even though I cry out for help, 
He shuts out my prayer. In other words, they were aware of the fact that they were not being heard. And this almost is the same thing we find in Isaiah, but there is a difference, and I want to get to that difference. Let me turn again to another passage in Lamentations, uh, chapter uh, verses 43 and 44, and you have this. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain us without pity. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. Now notice that these people are feeling that God is distant from them and that God is not hearing his, their prayers. He's covered in a cloud of darkness and they cannot penetrate it. But in Lamentations, God does turn to the people and he does forgive their sins. We find that in Lamentations 1 verse 8. The Lord, the people say. Now notice what they say here. This is the difference. The Lord, they say, is in the right. For I have rebelled against his word. Now notice the people complain and they carp. But when it comes down to it, they agree that the Lord is in the right and they are in the wrong. Here is the beginning of repentance and confession. Though he brings us grief, it says in chapter 3, he will show compassion. They have not lost a sense that God is compassionate and merciful. So great is his unfailing love, they go on to say, for he does not unwillingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. And they were restored to the Lord. Now, why are these people in Isaiah's time not restored? We have to look at why. And it's an important matter for you as well. Don't you sometimes think that the Lord is an impenetrable cloud and you can't break through and you wonder if he is listening to your prayers? Press on, my friend. That's what they did in the book of Lamentation. But in Isaiah, the people are not restored to God. Their sins and their guilt remain on their heads. Look at the passage. The reason is that no one calls for justice. They continue to rely on empty arguments and they speak lies in the courtroom and they have no sense of guilt and repentance. They, they conceive trouble and give birth to evil, says the prophet. In Isaiah, those in his day were destroying themselves and distancing themselves from God at the same time. Now, I want you to notice they are removing themselves more and more to God. Look at verse 1. Your iniquities have separated you from God. You, your hands, are stained with blood. And uh, continue to look, your, your ways uh, are uh, away from the Lord. And I want you to see a progression here. If you look in chapter 1, I mean 59, verse 1, uh, you will see as you read through the passage that the Lord addresses them directly through the prophet. You, your. But by the time we get to the end of the, of the passage, they're being addressed as they and those. Now, what does that mean? Is that just an accident of the way the, the pronouns are used? We go from you and your to they and those. 
What is happening here in the book of Isaiah is, unlike what we find in Lamentation, is that the people are continuing to distance themselves from God. They refuse to turn to the Lord. We look for light, they say, and all we find is darkness, but they continue to go toward the darkness. Now, there is a principle, I think, in Scripture that all of us must see clearly when we read a book like Isaiah, and we also compare it with a book like Lamentations. There is a principle here, and this is a Scripture verse. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. But distance yourself from me, and I will distance myself from you. Heaven will be shut up to those who refuse to turn to the Lord and to draw near to him. Oh, you have the same cries, probably have the same sins by those in Jeremiah's day that you have in Isaiah. But rather than agreeing that the Lord is right, they continue to press on in their wickedness and their darkness. Why then does the Lord not hear their cry? There is one word and one reason why the Lord does not hear their cry. It has to do with, quote, repentance. What you do not find in the book of Isaiah at this point is repentance. The people refuse to return to the Lord. There is no repentance. When we refuse to repent and turn to the Lord, according to Isaiah, God no longer hears our prayers. He no longer hears our prayers. And what happens is that what once were clear moral categories, we could see some things are black and some things are white, some things are right, some things are wrong. We now see in the darkness everything as gray. And we are willing to put up with it. We're not willing to call evil, evil, and justice, justice. The cries and complaints of the lost souls are lost in the storm because they are out at sea and refuse to turn to the light of beacon. Where we find then today ourselves, I think, is pretty much in this category. If we take our society at large, and by the way, Jeremiah and Isaiah are addressing the community at large. If we to address our society today, I think we have to say that we are dwelling in great darkness. I think we have to say and confess today that rather than returning to the Lord, we continue to distance ourselves from him as a society. I want to I give an illustration of what I'm talking about. I've always said I will never be political from the pulpit per such, but wherever politics involves morality, I will speak. Where it involves freedom and religion, I will speak. And let me give an illustration that has touched my heart, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago here in, the, in, the, uh, in a sermon. In 2008, the German government refused to allow a Christian family, a mother and a father, and I believe five children, to continue to homeschool their children. They pulled their children out of school because of what was going on in the public school. Everyone had to conform, be on the same page. 
You couldn't speak out against things which were clearly sinful, but society now was adopting as a standard. And so these two music teachers withdrew their children from the public school. And the state came down on them hard and said, we will take your children from you unless you return them and get them on the same page with everybody else. They fled to America in 2010 after fighting for two years to keep their children at home so they could teach them. By the way, these are the highest educated couple that you can find in Germany. They're very highly educated. They were given asylum in a town in Tennessee where other people were homeschooling. If you look on the map between, uh, uh, I believe it's uh, close to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, in a small town, they, they settled there and they were given asylum. They appealed to a court and the local judge in Tennessee gave them asylum based on the First Amendment and the fact that they were being persecuted for their religious beliefs. However, in 2012, our Justice Department, our own Justice Department decided to ignore the court ruling and are now requiring this couple to go back to Germany. Let me tell you what this couple did. The man was a concert pianist. He sold his grand piano to come to America to, to be able to find religious freedom and to have a relationship with his children and his wife, with the children, to train them in the way that they thought was best. Their children, after all, are heritage from the Lord. I'm telling you, this is corruption. You can't call it anything else. And society at large today is refusing to understand or to see the difference between truth and falsehood. Now let me bring it down to you. That's society. But Jeremiah and Isaiah also are talking to people in covenant. You and I are in covenant with the Lord. My friend, we do offend. We do deceive. We do not do what we should. Listen to our prayers of confession each Sunday. I hope they're a lesson to you as you read through them. And I hope you'll take your bulletin home and pray some of those prayers and use that language in your prayer so that it becomes part of you. These are great prayers of the past and sometimes I rewrite one of them or do something. But they're appropriate language for us to confess our sins daily to the Lord and return to the Lord. The first thing you know, if we do not, we will find ourselves distant and removed from the Lord and unconcerned about his call upon our heart and life. This is the kind of corruption that Isaiah is talking about. It is one thing to understand that you are a sinner in need of God's grace and return to him. It's another thing to be a sinner and a wicked person who refuses to turn to the Lord. Most of us will say, oh, Lord, I haven't done anything very wrong. My friend, we judge by feeble human standards. And we forget that we offend the majesty of a pure being who sent his son into the world to redeem such as you and me. This is a call for all of us to remember that we continually 
need to do the work of repentance. We continually need to pray for our society. We continually need to march toward that light. Let us then always, always draw near to the Lord that he might draw near to us. This is God's message to you today. Praise be to God. Amen.